19 in your Bibles. Thank you for being here today. Um, just want to give you a quick update of my kidney stone saga. And so uh, for nine weeks, I've been struggling. As, as of Tuesday, I am stent-free and stone-free. And so I'm going to be doing cartwheels down the aisle after the service today, so you can see me do that. And uh, you know what they say about stents and stones? They break your bones, right? And so... <laughs> Uh, I'm all done with those, and so thank you for your prayers. I appreciate it. Talk about the family of God, and it's one thing. My church family has uh, rallied around me at this time. I appreciate your prayers, and we're done with that. So I'm, I'm glad to be feeling good again, uh, back to myself, and ready to preach this morning, and uh, looking forward to what God has for us. How many of you have ever had a part in a play before? You played some part, maybe back in high school or something, all right? So we got some actors and actresses around here. Um, Years ago, back uh, when we used to do Easter plays, we did an Easter play right up here on this very stage with the Not Ready for Primetime Players, and we had a group of men portray, portray the 12 disciples. All right, so we had what we call the Living Last Supper. And so we had 12 men in our church, all ages and stages, and we uh, performed, uh, each one did a character. I was uh, Thomas, I think Pastor Stone was uh, Thaddeus. Uh, uh, yeah, we surnamed him Thaddeus at the time, but he's, he's, he's lost me since that time. That was just all. We had, we had a good time practicing together, and we had uh, different, we've had different men play Judas over the years. They're not here today. They've all left the church, and that's the truth. <laughs> so we, don't, we stopped doing those plays after that. All right, so we, uh, but I remember that particular year, we had 12 different men portraying, uh, and again, they weren't actors. They were just men in the church, and, and again, all ages and stages, and and uh, so many different personalities, and it was really interesting. We had one man uh, did uh, the play the part of Philip, Mr. Luxton, and Mr. Luxton is Kathy Adams was Kathy Adams' grandfather. He's passed away. One of the deacons and directors of our church for a number of years. A uh, great man, and just a very humble, a godly, a meek man, and he. It was so outside his comfort zone to sit up here and do a part, but he did that. And I remember we had a good number of people come, and even his relatives came. And, and I, I remember his part. He played the part of Philip, and Philip asked the question of Jesus. He said, uh, show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this is his part. This is my Fred Luxton impersonation, as best as I can do. He, his, his part was, he was, a, he was an accountant. He was very, uh, he thought about his words very carefully. He said this, he said, uh, everything you, you see in the Father, you, you see in the Son, and everything you, you see in the Son, you, you see in the Father. And that was his part. And, and it was just very real. It was not polished at all, but it was so real and so genuine. I think, I think Murray Ferns uh, had a part in that. Some of these men have now gone on to glory with the Lord. And uh, man, we had just all kinds of men. And many visitors came. We had a number of visitors because he came to see their relative in the play. I think what was very compelling about that play in particular was everyone in the audience can see themselves in somebody. Sometimes you have all polished people up here and they're all actors and they enjoy that thing and, and that's their gifting. It's a little different. These men that got up there were not gifted in public speaking, most of them. They just gave from their heart and portrayed themselves. I think everybody can see themselves in somebody in the play. Well, this morning we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 19. It's not a play, but a parable, and we're going to look at it as if it was kind of a play. It's a compelling parable, Luke 19, often called the parable of the pounds. And why it's so compelling is this. If you'll look closely today, you will see yourself in the parable. You've, every person in this auditorium 
fits into the parable. You will see yourself today in the parable. In fact, every person who's ever lived since Jesus told this parable fits into the parable. So it's very easy to see where you fit in. I hope you'll do that today as we read through this parable. As we look through it, let's look at the actors in the story. You'll see the noblemen, you'll see the citizens, and you'll see the servants. Uh, and we'll see how they all fit together. Now here's a clue. As you look for yourself in the play, you're not the nobleman, okay? The nobleman you'll see is Jesus, all right? You'll see that very clearly. You're not, so you are either a citizen today or you're a servant today, and you fit in the parable in one of those two categories. Most of you will find yourself as a servant, and so we'll spend most of our time dealing with the servants in the parable of the pounds. Let's read Luke chapter 19, and we'll begin in verse number 11. And as he heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Let me stop there. Let me explain the, the setting here. Jesus is on his way down. But, you know, when you get to an airplane, they say, we're now starting our final descent into Toronto. Well, Jesus is on his final descent to Jerusalem. All right, so he's on his, he's come through Jericho. He just saw Zacchaeus. He's on his way down, uh, all the way down. He's going to stop at Bethany, but he's going to stop in Jerusalem. Just weeks from this point, he will be at his final destination on this earth, which is Golgotha, Calgary, uh, Calvary the, the cross, all right? And so he's on his final descent, and his followers still think he's going to set up a kingdom on earth, and he's trying to teach them it's not the time for the kingdom on earth. The kingdom will come later, uh, but for now, there's something for you to do. And so here's the parable of the pounds, verse number 12. And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman, which would be Jesus, went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, now notice this, occupy till I come. That's the title of the message this morning, occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him. And sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Verse number 16. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little uh, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second uh, came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. Verse number 20. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I fear thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up where thou layest not down, and reapest where thou didst not sow. And he said, saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Thou wicked, thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that which I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore, then gavest not thou my money unto the bank, that it may, at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, take, take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one into this, we're going to look at three different time periods, three different acts in this play, in this parable. All right, so the act number one is the day of responsibility. The day of responsibility. Three distinct time periods in this, in this parable or play. Act number one, the day of responsibility. We see uh, beginning in verse number 13, he called unto him his servants and delivered unto them uh, 10 pounds and say to them, occupy till I come. Here in this story, we see the job title, servant. 
He called them his servants. That word is a word that was often used of a slave. It had a wide range, not a slave like we would think of in a bad way, but it could be that. It could be a, a slave in that way, or just a employee, a valued employee of the master. And so this word, a servant. But this servant uh, had no authority of his own. All authority came only because of his relationship to the master. All right, so the master was everything. It was a position, not a position of authority and power, but a position of responsibility. So any authority and power came from the master. That was the job title. And then he gave him this very clear job description. Uh, he gave him a duty. He said, occupy. Occupy. What does that mean to occupy? Well, occupy usually means to sit somewhere. In our language, you know, uh, I occupy my house. I stay there. The word occupy in the Bible doesn't mean that. The word occupy means to do business. To be involved in trading, investing, to be busy. It has the idea of business, trade, and investment. So the duty was to occupy, and the duration was very clear. How long were they supposed to occupy? Till I came. There's no specific time. It says, till I get back, keep doing business. Don't stop. Keep trading. Keep investing. Do well. It's my resource. This is my money. You're working for me. Until I come back occupy till I come. He was very clear on that day of responsibility. The job was so clearly laid out. Take what the master had given you, invest it for the master, so when he comes back, there's profit, there's more, there's been increase. Very clear. The day of responsibility is act number one of our play. All right, and so I want you to be clear, most of us in this auditorium will find ourselves as servants. And so the, uh, the responsibility given to the servants is the responsibility given to you. This is your responsibility. Occupy until he comes. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is coming again. We sing about it. We talk about it. We know it's in the Bible. We, we preach about it. Jesus is coming again. And until, until he comes, your job, your responsibility, my responsibility is to occupy. Not occupy a chair. Not occupy a space but be busy investing and trading and building investments for the master. Not for your own. The, the servant got nothing of this. He'll get his reward later. We'll see that, right? But of this, of, of what he made, of all the pounds that he gained, he got none of them. It all went back to the master. And so he is busy. These are these men, 10 men, out doing business for the master. Occupy till I come. Act one, the day of responsibility. Now let's skip down to act number three. We're going to skip an act. We'll come back to it. But act number three is the day of accountability. So we have a day of responsibility where the job description was laid out. And then the, 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 the old one went away and got, got his kingdom. Now just so you understand this, this is a foreign concept to us, but back in the day it wasn't. When the Roman uh, nation would come in and conquer another nation, what they often would do would, would take local politicians and put them in place as Roman authority. All right, it happened in Jerusalem with Herod. So that's how it would work. And so what they would do is they would make that local politician travel to Rome, receive his authority, and then come back and take over the kingdom. And so the, this story is very familiar to these people that, okay, this is how it works. There's a, there's a nobleman who's going to go away and receive authority and then come back and inherit the kingdom. And so though it's foreign to us, it's not foreign to them. And so here we have the story, act number three, now the day of accountability. The, the nobleman returns in verse number 15. Look at that. 
Actually, look at verse 14 and 15 together. But his citizens, a group we haven't really dealt with yet, his citizens hated him and sent a messenger after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Does it sound familiar anywhere where Jesus came unto his own, but his own received him not? There'll be those who reject Jesus Christ. There'll be those who do not accept his authority. Again, at this time, uh, I read a little bit, the historian Josephus said that there was an incident not too long before this where uh, the people of the kingdom, when the local official went to Rome, they actually sent people to Rome saying, we don't want this guy, we don't want this guy. And know what they said in Rome? Who cares? <laughs> He's coming back to be your authority anyway. And so they understand this story. And these citizens says, we do not want to have this main man reign over us. Verse 15, and it came to pass... That when he's returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. So I want you to understand several things here. The master's desire. What was the master's desire? He held them accountable for that which he had commanded them. All right. What was the word he said? One word, occupy. Right? Trade, be busy, get me gain, invest. Look at verse number 15, the last phrase. Uh, how much every man had gained by trading. That phrase in English is the same word as occupy. Actually, it's almost the same word. It's a strengthened form of the word. Uh, there's different little prepositions that the Greek would add on to make it stronger. And this, this is a, it's like, I told you to do this, and I want to know, did you do this? And I'm here to find out. I'm here to hold you accountable. Occupy till I come. How did you do? He's holding, us, he's holding his servants accountable for the, the only the thing he asked them to do. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Occupy till I come, and I want to find out how much every man gained by training. Did you occupy while I was gone? How did things go? And he held them accountable, and he gave them rewards. He had given them each one pound. You know what that? When he started, ten servants, ten pounds, each equal. And, and there's, other, there's other parables in the Bible that we're not going to try to get into. This is a separate parable that told by Jesus for a special purpose. But here in this story, every person had one pound. Every person has one opportunity. We all have one life. Some will be longer, some will be shorter. We all have one life. We all have one opportunity. So each of his servants had equal opportunity to fulfill the law or the desire of the master. And here we have the master's description. It says uh, there, uh, when later on in the passage, when the one guy is being held accountable, he says, I heard that you are, I know you're an austere man. What does that mean, to be an austere man? Well, that word austere has the idea of being uh, strict. Uh, in other words, he said, I knew you were a strict man. You were going to hold me accountable, so I was afraid to do anything. And because you're a strict man, I did nothing. And the, and the master said, out of your own words, you just judged yourself. Because I am a strict man and I told you to do, I told you to occupy, I told you to trade, I told you to get me gain, I told you to do something with your opportunity, and you did nothing with it, I'm going to hold you accountable. The, the master was interested in gain. And it comes down to the master's decision. The servants were, uh, who were busy, each were praised and rewarded. Everyone who took opportunity to take his life and take his pound and make something of it were all praised. They're all praised the same. 
It says the two that he talked about, he, he doesn't go through all 10 of them, just three, three different servants. The one had gained 10 pounds, one had gained five pounds, and one had not done anything. The 10 pound, he said, hey, good job, servant. And it says he said the same thing to the second. The rewards were a little bit different. One had 10 cities of authority, one had five cities of authority. And so he rewarded them differently, but they were all rewarded. They were all held accountable. And they were praised, what were they praised for? Well, in the Bible here we see they were praised for their faithfulness. You know what the New Testament says? Moreover, it's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. The, see, the nobleman, which is Jesus, is still looking for faithful stewards. He, he hasn't given us a, a pound. He's given us a life. He's given us opportunity. He's given you connections. There are people that you know that I will never meet. I will not be accountable for people I don't, I've never met. You will be accountable for those who you know. You are held accountable for your opportunities to witness, to share Christ, to show Jesus Christ, to be like Jesus Christ, you're held accountable. You're held accountable for your family, for your decisions. That is your, that is your pound. That's your opportunity. And the servants were all busy, except for one, and they were held accountable but rewarded for their faithfulness. The unfaithful servant received no reward. In fact, the nobleman here calls him a wicked servant. He was useless. He's of no good to the master. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He was careless. He, he didn't, he, he says he was afraid, but he did nothing. He did nothing. It was his opportunity. All the time the master was gone, other guys were buying and selling and trading and making gain for the master. And what was he doing? He folded it into a napkin. How long would it take to take a piece of money, fold it in a napkin? That's what he did the whole time. And so they're held accountable on the day of accountability. Also notice here, those in verse 14, the citizens that rejected him. The Bible tells us what happened to them in verse number 27. But those, mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. Again, this is a made-up story. This is not a real story. It's a made-up story to, to tell us a point. There will be a day when those who reject Jesus Christ will be separated from God for all eternity in the presence of Almighty God. The Bible is very clear about that. And, and I would not be a preacher of the Bible if I didn't tell you that all of you, all of us, need to come to a point in our life where we ask Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Either accept Him or reject Him. All those who reject Jesus Christ will be separated for all eternity in a place called hell. It's real, it's true, it's biblical. And here this story is teaching us that there are servants, yes, those who have a relationship with the master. And some of those servants are either faithful or unfaithful. But there's also people who have no relationship with the master and don't want a relationship with the master. And they will be held accountable for their decision as well. Just see this whole parable is a parable about accountability for your decisions. Let's go to the final act that we're going to talk about. It's actually act number two. It's in the middle. Between the day of responsibility and the day of accountability we have here, the day of opportunity. I've saved it for last because this is where we are. I saved it for last because this is the point. I saved it for last because this is what we need to talk about. This is our day of opportunity. I want to charge you. I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to, I want to, I just want to lift you up and build you up to understand this is your day of opportunity. We have life, we have breath, we have, you may say, we, we can't do this, we can't do that. Uh, because of my age, I can't do what I used to do. Because of this uh, problem, I can't do what I used to do. It doesn't matter, you still have opportunity. This is your day of opportunity. This is your day of action. This is your day of occupying. 
There's no record here as to how long that was. There is no record here of how they invested their money. All it was, all it says is that there was a day that the, the, the nobleman left and he came back as king. And when he came back as king, they were held accountable for what they had done in that space. This is your space. This is your time of action. This is your day of accountability. And most importantly, this is where we fit in the parable. So if you're a, a born-again child of God, you are a servant. And today you are acting the part in this play or this parable of a faithful servant or an unfaithful servant. And if you never ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, then you're playing the part of a citizen who will be rejected by Jesus Christ when he comes back as king. And that's how we fit in the play. You've been given one pound, one life, one opportunity to invest for your master. The question is, how are you going to invest your life? How are you going to spend your time? How are you going to spend your energy? What are you doing with your opportunity? What are you going to do with those relationships that you have? What about the people at work, the people in your neighborhood, the people that you see, the people on your Facebook or your Instagram page? How are you stewarding that relationship? That's your opportunity. That's your pound. I will not be held accountable for that, but you certainly will be. And the master's asking you, just occupy till I come. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. Be a faithful witness. Be a faithful example. Be like Jesus Christ. Be like the master. Are you, how are you spending your opportunity? How are you investing your life, your time, your energy, your resources? See, this is the point. Jesus is saying to those who are following him, I know you want a kingdom right now. That's not going to happen. There will be a kingdom someday. And someday I'm going to come back and set up my kingdom and you'll be rewarded. And here's my job description to you. Rick Holmes, occupy till I come. Ivan, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. But Blair, this is your job. Occupy till I come. Well, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a custodian. It doesn't matter. Occupy till I come. I'm retired. It doesn't matter. Occupy till I come. You know, I, I, have, I have rental properties. I look at, it doesn't matter. Occupy till I come. I'm a preacher. It doesn't matter. Occupy till I come. See, it doesn't matter if you're a preacher or you sit in the pew. It doesn't matter. You have to occupy till I come. Be busy trading. See, your whole life is a series of trades. How many have to go to work tomorrow morning or tomorrow sometime? How many go to work tomorrow? All right, several of you. You're going to trade eight hours of your day and you're going to bring home a paycheck. Well, that's the idea, right? You're trading your hours for money. And everybody who's not going to work, you're still going to trade your hours for something. What are you going to trade your hours for? What are you going to have after tomorrow's over? Will you have a deeper knowledge of God's word? Will you have a closer walk with Jesus Christ? Will you have somebody else who you share Jesus Christ with after you trade your eight hours tomorrow? That's the idea. You're trading. It's a constant trade-off. You can have almost anything you want in this life as long as you're willing to trade something for it. I had a friend, uh, and, and Stones will know this name, Dan Hopkins, who was in my high school class, and we were uh, together. And he, when he, we graduated from the Christian school, he wanted to make money. And he did. He went work at that time for IBM, which is a big company back in the day. And so I saw him several years later. I think I had two little kids, and we came back to the church in Cleveland, and he was there. And he was there, and he, had, he was driving some fancy car, and he had a fancy job. And he said to me, Mike, I'm jealous of you. I had a wife, and I lost her because I, all I did was work and work and work. I got the job I wanted. I got the money I wanted. I got the car I wanted, but I had nothing to show for it. See, everybody's trading. What are you trading for? That's the word occupy. 
What are you going to trade your time, your energy, and resources for? Whatever it is, just realize you're going to be held accountable someday to the master. That's not to scare you. In fact, as a faithful servant, that should delight you. Someday, I'm not getting my rewards here. My rewards are there. And so I'm excited about building up all I can for there, knowing that I'm not going to maybe get as much here so I can get more there. I'm occupying now so I can be rewarded later. Act two is a day of opportunity. So folks, can you see yourself in the parable today? That's the question. Can you see yourself there? Do you understand the faithful and the unfaithful servant? Let me ask you this question. Have you accepted or rejected Jesus Christ? I don't want to take for granted that everyone in this room has already accepted Christ as their Savior. According to this parable, there were those who said, we don't want Jesus. We don't want the nobleman to reign over us. We reject him. And maybe today, if I asked you, have you accepted or rejected Jesus Christ? Maybe your answer would be neither. I've neither accepted him nor do I reject him. I'm just trying to figure things out. Can I tell you what the Bible says about that? That's a great answer, and it's probably an honest answer for many. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, he that believeth not is condemned already. So by choosing not to believe now, you are choosing to reject Jesus Christ today. doesn't mean that that can't change tomorrow, because I rejected Christ times before I accepted him finally when I was 11. You can reject him at times, but every time, if you haven't accepted him, then you have rejected him. And the Bible is very clear, there is no eternal life. There is no uh, relationship with God apart from Jesus Christ. The citizens are those who have rejected Jesus Christ. And I plead with you and challenge you and encourage you with the Bible words, today is the day of salvation. We would love to take a Bible today if you've never accepted Jesus Christ and share with you the glorious truth that God loves you Jesus died for you. Heaven's a possibility. There is hope after this life. It's all in the Bible. We'll take our time. We have a half hour between our first service and the second service. We'll take all half hour. And if you need more of that, we'll stay after. We want to share with you Jesus Christ. Please, I beg with you, talk to somebody today about knowing Jesus Christ. But if you're here today and you are already saved, you've already accepted the nobleman, you've already accepted Jesus Christ, then are you a faithful or unfaithful servant? What are you trading your life for? What are you trading your hours for? What are you living for? What are, what are you passionate about? What are you making of your opportunity? Who in your life needs Jesus Christ that you have not yet shared them, shared Jesus Christ with? These are your opportunities that you're passing by. Are you investing your life in such a way that will bring profit to the master? Not profit to yourself, profit to the master. Are you investing your life in a way that will lead him to a profit and, and glorify the Lord? C.T. Studd was a dedicated missionary in China for many years, and he, uh, many, many years ago, and he penned these words. You probably are familiar with them. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So true. What, what a short but deep statement. Only one life soon be passed. John Trimmer used to sit in our auditorium. He bounced around a little bit. He'd come in, slip in maybe a little late. Maybe, how many don't even, you probably don't know, probably don't know John Trimmer. He came in a little late, maybe he left a little bit early. 
He had a license plate that said Fortnite. He had his car said, so he was kind of a unique guy. We laugh in the back and nice guy. And he went to Cuba where he had a place and he'd go there often. And guess what? Just like that. Now, we don't say that to scare you. We say that to, to verify and understand this is a time of opportunity we have today. We don't boast ourselves of tomorrow. What opportunity will we take advantage of? This is the day of investing. This is the day of occupying. Occupy. Do you understand your responsibility? Occupy till I come. Not sit still. Occupy. Be busy investing on behalf of the master. Do you understand your accountability is coming? There is a day we will stand before Jesus Christ and give an account. Not of the sins that we've committed if we're saved, but of what we've done with our opportunity to serve him. You are living in the day of opportunity. How are you doing? You know, you ever check... You probably shouldn't do this. Check your investment. Like if you have a, have investments, you shouldn't check them regularly. Maybe once a year, because if you watch them go up and down, it's kind of discouraging. But maybe it's time for us to check our eternal investment. What are we doing right now for the Lord? Like what what are what are we involved in that will bring bring glory to the Master? Are we taking advantage of this day of opportunity? Would you bow your head and close your eyes?